Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. The story of the Bell Witch takes place in Adams, Tennessee. Um, It was back in the early 1800s. Um, The haunting began around 1817 and lasted till about 1822. Uh, That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, it went on for a while. Um, The Bell family had moved over to Tennessee from, I believe it was North Carolina. They were headed up by Patriarch, Patriarch John Bell. He was a farmer. And he was married to his wife, Lucy. They had a daughter named Betsy, and they had like four to five sons. I'm not entirely sure, but they had a lot of sons. Um, Big family. Yeah, it was a big family. And so they moved out here to Adams, and they um, built their their homestead, and they started their farm. And then sometime along the way, um, they began to see very strange things on their property. The first thing was that John Bell witnessed the um, apparition of a strange creature resembling a dog with a rabbit's head and thick black fur wait 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 a rabbit's head yeah it was like a body of a dog with a rabbit's head so some mutant thing yeah he he didn't quite know what it was or why it was but he fired his gun at it and it just disappeared wow so then his son drew um saw a bird perched on the fence and it was of an extraordinary size um, the daughter, Betsy, also saw a little girl in a green dress swinging from the limb of an oak tree. She also disappeared out of thin air and or, yeah, disappeared into thin air, I should say. <laughs> um, and then they had um, a slave on the property um, who reported being followed by a large black dog on the evenings that he went to visit his wife. So they started seeing just weird creatures here and there around on their farm. Hey, was there a nuclear dump site nearby yeah. or <laughs> Perhaps, before they knew what that was. Yeah. Um, toxic waste dump. What was that show, like Land of the Lost, where they're in a spaceship and they keep getting like zapped back in between <laughs> the dinosaurs and then the Martians come to visit them? I mean, it's it's pretty sweet. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I so, remember that. Um, so the animal sightings, they weren't that, you know, whatever. They weren't that... Um, worried about them but then they started hearing stones being thrown at their house at night and though that was problematic they they did have a um kind of a fight going on with one of their neighbors so they just assumed that the neighbors were probably the ones throwing rocks at their house but they would go out and try to a good guess yeah yeah they would go out and try to confront the neighbors but they could never find anybody out there but they definitely heard those noises they kind of started to ignore those noises until the noises started coming from inside their house. They heard large thuds. They heard scratching and what sounded like animals gnawing at the legs of their beds. They heard invisible dogs fighting and chains dragging along the floor. But again, they could not find the source of these sounds. They started to, they tried to ignore the sounds that were coming from inside their house, but they couldn't ignore those either because the experiences they were having started to escalate and they had to really start paying attention to what was happening. John Bell himself, who was the father figure, he um, started to experience paralysis in his mouth, difficulty swallowing, and his face twitched a lot. Oh, my gosh. Uh, At night when they went to bed. That is horrifying. I know. The sheets were pulled from their beds when the children slept. 
Soon the entity was pulling their hair and scratching the children with particular emphasis on Betsy, who was slapped and pinched and stuck with pins. She even awoke one night to find her hair had been tied in knots around the bedpost, which I think is pretty creepy. That's brutal. (laughs) John Bell was also slapped and physically taunted by the entity. The activity got so bad that finally John Bell asked his friend and neighbor to come to the house to see for himself what was happening and to perhaps help John figure out what to do. Holly, I have a question. Yes. So was it just John Bell and Betsy being attacked or was everyone being attacked? I think everybody was, but they, those two in particular were being singled out. Ah. Definitely okay. John and definitely Betsy. And there's more to the story and it kind of, maybe there's a possible explanation for that. Okay. So tuck that in the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Is what it, you're saying. Put it on your back burner because I'm going to come back around to that. Okay. Sounds okay. good. So uh, anyway, John gets his neighbor, James Johnston, to come to the house and witness the activity firsthand. Um, he decided that they were being haunted by an actual spirit, like in biblical terms. And he asked the entity what its name was. And she said, Kate, she began to talk to the Bell family and she started to give them explanations as to why she had appeared. She said that the, um, burial mound on the property that was located on the property was Native American and it had been disturbed. And that's why she was there. But she also began to tell the family information that they could not have known from future events to things about their neighbors. Of particular significance were its nearly accurate predictions of the civil war that was to come and other events. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So they were getting some legit information from this disembodied voice about stuff that was going on around their town, their friends and neighbors, and then actual historical events that had yet to occur. So was Kate the actual entity that was torturing them, or she was just there to interpret the events of what Kate was happening? Kate is what the entity called itself. So what it called itself. When okay. uh, James Johnston said, what is, like, he was getting the same treatment to him that was happening to the Bell family, because he went there and he spent the night. So he finally got frustrated and said, what is your name? Like, kind of out to the thin air. And, and she spoke back and said, Kate. That is the story. There's also another side story that the neighbors that they were in conflict with, that Kate was the wife of those neighbors and um, or the wife neighbor that they were in conflict with, and she was a practicing witch. So there is a theory that Kate, the witch, the neighbor witch, was actually cursing them in their home, and that she somehow had manifested herself as an entity to curse their house. That is just all theory speculation. Is, wow. Plus, she Powerful was somehow. Stuff distantly related to them too like there's a a actual family tie between her and this family but again no one really knows for sure it was so long ago and this was never really written down at the time so it was passed on orally until someone actually started writing things down about the story and but it's a famous story it's a well-known story and did, did they ever say why the neighbors didn't like them there was something about um john bell like they um kate's husband had an accident he could no longer work and so john bell had offered to buy some of their land to help them keep going, but he bought it really cheap. And so that kind of started some bad blood between them, I guess. Okay. So the voice could even imitate the voices of some of the Bell family's distant or past loved ones. So distant meaning they were far away. They weren't close by. Um, And the news of the haunting spread rapidly throughout Tennessee and beyond. People started to show up from all over the place to stay at the Bell home or camp out in the yard so they could experience the Bell Witch for themselves. 
Even former U.S. President Andrew Jackson, who was a general at the time, heard about the Bell Witch and came to the house because he wanted to experience the Bell Witch for himself. Right. Um, The story goes that um, as Jackson and his men were heading towards the home, one of Jackson's men bragged that he brought silver bullets because he was going to shoot and kill the witch. Well, as they got closer to the house, their wagon got stuck in the mud, and despite all of their efforts, they could not move it. Jackson is said to have apologized to the witch for the behavior of his man. And after his apology was spoken, the wagon was able to move forward again. No way. Mm-hmm. I, this is just unreal. It's a, it's a crazy story. Kate, the entity Kate, had made it very clear that she did not like John Bell. But she actually loved his wife, Lucy. When Lucy became ill, Kate could, would be heard singing to her and she would manifest and materialize out of thin air nuts and grapes for Lucy to eat, which Aww. would have been interesting to see. However, as Lucy recovered from her illness, John started to get sicker and sicker until one morning he was found dead in his bed. It was clear that he had been poisoned because they found a vial close to his bed and it smelled of the poison as well as what was on his mouth it smelled of the same poison. So... It was speculated at first that Lucy had killed him, but then Kate spoke up and said, and this was in quotes where I read it, I fixed his medicine last night and gave him a big dose of it. He'll never get out of that bed again. So So she just basically said, I killed him. It's the first U.S. murderer that's ever been attributed to that of a ghost. (laughs) That is crazy. Isn't that weird? And so when they had his funeral, the witch showed up. The voice, I should say, showed up and sang drinking songs at his funeral because she was so happy he was dead. No, just in the air, there's drinking songs. Yeah, just she's just singing drinking songs during his funeral. No, these people were drinking well water that was tainted. Yes. I mean, everybody was. I think high. all of this was like delusional hallucinations these people had. It, it's, this we, is it's, crazy. It's a crazy story. So here's the speculation. The speculation was that perhaps. John Bell had been molesting his daughter, Betsy, which is why the witch chose to pick on both of them, especially John. And that is why she loved Lucy so much, because Lucy was perfect in her eyes, but John was essentially going after his own daughter. And that that is a theory as well, which is why they were picked out. That's interesting. Yes. So in 1821, uh, Betsy Bell actually became engaged to another guy named Joshua Gardner. But the witch told her that she should not marry him and kind of tormented them both a little bit. So she actually ended up breaking up her engagement with Joshua. Um, Hmm. And then in, I guess, seven years later in 1828, the witch returned to see Lucy and her sons Richard and Joel. And the same activities started up again. But they did not encourage the activity and the witch appeared to leave so she was never really heard from again after that. To this day, the Bell Farmstead is still there in Adams, Tennessee, and the Bell family descendants are still around. Um, it is said that area is still very haunted. People can hear talking and children playing. They can see candlelights dancing through the dark through the fields late at night. Photography is especially difficult, and some pictures 
taken in the area show mist, orbs of light, and other phenomena, including human-like figures who were not present when the pictures were taken. And in fact, I believe it was in 2015, A&E came out with a reality show called Cursed the Bell Witch, and it explores the legend and talks to the descendants of the Bell family as they are today. And they kind of go back and investigate the land and figure out how they can lift this curse from their family. And that essentially is the story of the Bell Witch of Adams, Tennessee. That is such a spooky story, Holly. I love it. Good. Thank you. I know. It's a fun story. I also have a second theory that might be why Kate, the entity, was torturing them. I think maybe she had a crush on Lucy, or no, Betsy. Which is, what is the wife? Betsy? Uh, Betsy is the daughter. Lucy is the wife. Luce, Lucy. And that's why when she was getting engaged to the second guy, she said, no, don't marry him. She was trying to break them up. I don't know. I just was thinking. Betsy was the one that got engaged. She was the daughter. Oh, the so, daughter. Yeah, yeah. So maybe she oh, was sorry. a lesbian ghost and like both of them like she was okay both no mother scratch and that theory Maybe. i like the original theory what better. is what is the term for when you're into family members there's probably a term for that no right there I'll, isn't I'll a term google <laughs> google that josh mm. there's gotta be some no. private window there isn't <laughs> you know holly in the past it wasn't a big deal to pick up a hitchhiker you know Back in the 60s or 70s, even up to the 80s, yeah, most people didn't even think about their own personal safety when they stopped to pick up a stranger and offer them a lift. I still don't. No, well, you should. <laughs> most days, people have been told how dangerous it is to do this. So that means most of our hitchhiking ghost stories aren't recent. But I was researching them to find the most compelling of the stories because so many of them don't seem to, when you like research them, they don't seem to have a connection to real people. Right. Uh, that you can find. Yeah. It's like a legend or urban myth or something. Right. Yeah. And so I came across a, a few stories of some hitchhiking ghosts that I think you will enjoy. I'm excited. Thank I you. Love, I love this concept. Yeah, because we've, ta- we've talked about haunted dolls or at least haunted sleep and snore Ernie. Oh, yeah. That's right. And now we have to talk about hitchhiking ghosts. Have you heard of the legend of Lydia? No. Well, this is a famous story that takes place in Jamestown Uh and has a long history of being witnessed and told over the many years. The story goes that there was a young lady wearing a long white dress with a pale face standing alongside Old High Point Road, which is now Main Street, near an underpass in Jamestown called Lydia's Bridge. Hmm. It is a dangerous curve that cars often take too fast, and the woman is seen standing by the road and signals drivers to stop and pick her up. When the driver stops to pick her up, she informs the driver that she's been to a dance and needs to get home. She gives the driver an address to a house in High Point. The story is told that she seems very distracted while they're driving, looking out the window while the drivers always are trying to make small talk with her. But when the driver reaches the destination, he looks back and sees she's disappeared. Ooh. Yeah. Well, in some cases, the driver is so puzzled that they go up to the house knocking on the door to to inquire if somehow she made it into the house without him or her seeing her. Right. The door is answered by an older lady who pulls out a picture from her purse matching the identity of Hitchhiker saying it is her daughter who was killed many years prior 
and she tends to think her ghost appears on the anniversary or around the anniversary of her death. People think that Lydia's bridge, which isn't a bridge at all, was named after this hitchhiking ghost. But again, nobody seems to know who this Lydia was. Uh There's nobody by the name of Lydia that was killed on that road. And um, a couple of ghost hunters, after just hearing this story over and over and over again over the years, recently decided to do some research and find out the actual identity of this famous ghost hitchhiker, Uh Michael Reniger and Amy Greer. And they're just basic ghost hunter enthusiasts. um, And they seem to feel that they've cracked this case after years of combing through old files and interviews. They had been researching this and frustrated by their dead ends, they were about to abandon their search when they were approached by Emily Manzik, a student that attended High Point University. Part of a class project, she researched the Lydia legend herself and found a news report in the now extinct Greensboro Patriot newspaper of a young woman named Annie L. Jackson, who was killed in a car wreck near the underpass. Huh. Rinegar and Greer had been looking for a Lydia who had died in the area, always coming up empty. Is her middle name Lydia? Rinegar asked. Is that what we've missed? On June 20th, 1920, Annie and three other people, J.C. Hutchinson, Charlie Cross, and Nettie Lethko, were driving along what is now Main Street in Jamestown. Hutchinson was behind the wheel, and it was about 10 p.m., There were a few sharp curves on the route, and Hutchinson apparently took one of them too fast and lost control of the car. It flipped, throwing Annie L. Jackson from the car. Cross and Lethko were also injured, but they were taken to a hospital in in High Point, and they recovered. Hutchinson, the driver, jerk, he fled from the scene. Oh, geez. Yeah. And Annie sustained a severe head injury when she was thrown from the car, and she did die at the scene. Okay. As they tried to get more information from the relatives of the parties involved, they were unable to find any descendants of Hutchinson, Cross, and Lethgo. However, some of Annie Jackson's cousins and nephews did get in touch with them. They say Lydia is definitely Annie L. Jackson. Annie Jackson was the only Caucasian woman who resembled the description of the hitchhiker ghost and who died in that manner in that specific location in all those years. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. There is no clear reason why Annie's ghost took on the name of Lydia. Possibly it's a misinterpretation of Annie's middle name, which the ghost hunters Renegar and Greer think may have been Ludia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Not a lot is known about her, but she was 35 years old, so she wasn't a teenager. Okay. And she worked at Vicks's Chemicals and lived in Greensboro. Uh She had no children. You'd like that. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're interested in visiting, Annie Jackson is buried behind a lock chain link fence at Holtz Chapel Cemetery in Greensboro. Is that to keep her body from leaving the cemetery? Yes. But I would recommend going on like Halloween. (laughs) At the witching hour? Or maybe on the the anniversary of her death. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, um, you know, besides that, I also found a couple of interesting hitchhiking stories heralding from the great Northwest in the state of Washington. Oh. Yeah. A famous phantom hitchhiking story began circulating right after the 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helens on May 18th. Yeah. 
The sightings are told of a lady in white. It's always a lady in white. Always lady in white. You know, all these ladies. I guess I think so, that's all they were is white. Well, I think it's because when you're a hitchhiking ghost, you want to be seen at night. And so it's better to oh, wear yeah. white so that people will see you. That's a great theory. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, obviously they, they didn't care about stains on their clothes back then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this lady in white was reported hitchhiking her way up and down the I-5 corridor. And when the drivers would stop to pick her up, she gets in their back seat and starts to ramble a prophecy saying the volcano is going to erupt again between October 12th and 14th. Oh. And then she just vanishes after she gives this <laughs> ominous prophecy in the back of their car. <laughs> That's deeply disturbing. Isn't it terrible? Yeah. Yes. And just a few short weeks after this happened, so many people were calling in reports of this hitchhiking ghost that the local news had to air the story. Where was she doing this hitchhiking again? Um, all up and down the I-5 corridor oh, outside okay. of Washington and okay. you yeah. know, around that area. Yeah. And over time, you know, the the description of the of the phantom hitchhiker started to become more disturbing. Mm. The phantom hitchhiker was adding specific details now in her description of the next volcanic doomsday. Oh my God. So um, they started saying that the ghost then would say it would devastate an area of a hundred miles in radius and many would be consumed in the blast. Wow. And um, you know, even the local police were alerted to the possibility that motorists would be reporting this vision to them. And once the deadline of October 14th arrived, and her prediction had not come true, nobody seemed to see this mysterious woman again. There was also a similar story, though circulating north, so it wasn't on I-5. It was north of Mount St. Helens in Mount Vernon area. Yeah. And they were getting reports of a female hitchhiker that would also get in people's car and deliver the ominous message that God is coming. And you're going to love this. She would disappear, but this is the fun part. She would leave a cloud of smoke behind her. <laughs> like a genie? Yeah. It was like poof, you know, theatrics. And That's funny. So it was always the same story with, you know, the people out there. And documenting the information from about 12 random reports just became too much for the police. Maybe it's a, a real woman, but she's done so many psychedelic drugs that she has figured out a way to just poof away in a big cloud of cocaine or something <laughs> like that. Like, I don't know. I I don't want to second guess her abilities because she's just probably done that many drugs. I mean, I mean maybe there is... are people out here that can vanish, but I don't oh, think so. This is the Pacific Northwest and people like their drugs. And I wouldn't be surprised if they figured out a way to do that. And I've seen people's cars and you can get, you know, lost in people's cars oh, with yeah. the junk that they keep oh, God, in yeah. the backseat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she was in there all along. She's been there for days. In fact, she's probably still there. They she just haven't looked is. in their backseat long enough to figure it out. That's right. <laughs> So, you know, there's a really good documentary, Holly, out on Amazon Prime. It's called Mega Disaster. <laughs> um, it ha you know, it's happened before and it will happen again. And it's really good. Great. It talks about several different eruptions and gives explanation on the dome building phase and how scientists use to monitor it. Oh. So I want to just let everybody know right now the dome isn't growing. So I think we are safe. Yellowstone, though. <laughs> Yellowstone. But but People. we're going to have that what? major earthquake here, which is probably going to set off the <laughs> arena fire of which we live on. And then we're all, it's going to be doomsday. 
Big it's time. just the people at the coast, really. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> By the way, I'm getting my house retrofitted for earthquake proofness. Oh, you are? Yes. Oh. Yeah, that's my big news. Well, congratulations. I thought you were getting your fireplace redone. Well, that already happened. Oh, you already did that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've got the fire chimney that yeah. won't crumble. Yeah. And I've got the foundation that hopefully won't crumble. Oh, good. Well, I'm going to come I, to your house after I, the big one hits. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> I, I didn't know that like houses back you know, 100 years ago, yeah. they didn't fasten them to the foundation. They just slip them on there and say, oh, it'll be fine. They just sit them on there yeah. thinking they're heavy enough. Here's some glue. Just put some glue yeah. on there, a little Is bit of Velcro. Crazy? It's going to be fine. Yeah, terrifying. We are getting it done. Anyway, lastly, one of my favorite hitchhiking ghost stories takes place on a Saturday in September in 1963. Oh, in a little town called Seattle. Yay. <laughs> Hi, Seattle. Right. School had just started uh, and the kids were allowed to go places on their own back then without parental supervision. <laughs> that was their first mistake. Yeah. Two nine-year-old friends, Ernie Poindexter and Meredith Wright, had made plans to go to a movie that weekend playing at the local downtown theater. Getting tired walking because, you know, nine-year-olds, they only have little legs. They both stuck out their thumbs for a ride, and gladly a trucker stopped to give them a lift. Mm -hmm. They noticed the no-riders sign in the window of the truck's cab, but climbed in when the driver shouted for them to jump in the back. He told them he had just a few more deliveries to make, and he guessed that they wanted to go to the movies. After going just a few blocks down the road, the kids heard the driver once again stop and put on the ignition brake. He went to the back and pulled out a carton or crate beside the kids and assured them once more he'd be right back. He told them his name was Phil Cullen, and it seemed to satisfy them to be patient and wait. As they waited, they heard what sounded like another truck pulling up behind them. Uh-oh. Yeah. But then they realized soon after that the truck was slamming into them and sending their vehicle hurtling down a steep hill with them inside and no way to get out. Oh, shoot. The cartons were being jostled all around and they cleaned to each other in fright. But they both heard a disembodied, comforting voice call out from the front of the truck saying, just hang on tight. I'm trying to jam the brakes on. Curious how the trucker was able to get back so fast, they scooted up to peer in the front of the truck cab. To their surprise, the steering wheel was being held straight as if guided by an invisible hand. The two friends stared in shock as they saw the steering wheel sink in the middle and heard the horn blasting warning sounds out to pedestrians. Eventually, the truck came to a halt at the bottom of the hill and the boys were safe and sound. Wow. Moments later, Phil Cullen, the truck driver, came running up clearly out of breath and opened the back door to the vehicle. He couldn't believe the kids were still in the back where he had left them. Soon, dozens of people were running to the truck to make sure nobody was injured. Good thinking, the trucker said to them. If you hadn't steered the truck like you had and honked the horn, there would have been some serious injuries and you might not have survived. Wow. So... The hitchhikers were prevented from being ghosts by a ghost. <laughs> by a ghost, a special happy, how do you like that ghost? Yeah, yes. how do you like that twist? Yeah, that's pretty fun. Wow, <laughs> that's great. So yeah, it's so, a good ending to hitchhiking. Was it a ghost that saved them, or was it a guardian angel? You know, I think a guardian angel is probably more likely. A guardian angel that they could not see, right? 
who imitated the truck driver because it would be a comforting voice for them. Right. right. Um, Or does the truck driver have a doppelganger? Oh, but wait, they didn't see a person in there. It was an invisible man. So did the truck driver turn into the invisible man and jump into the truck and save the day and then switch back to his solid self before they could figure out what was going on? I don't know. It's pretty cool, though. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I would I like love it. to have. I would love to have a ghost save me from a car accident. I know that would be such a cool story like at parties. Like, guess what happened to me last night? <laughs> Got saved by an invisible entity. Be great. If there's a bunch of us and we're all wearing black and then someone shows up to attack us, we we spread out and run yeah. through the woods. That's good. And that way they can only get the slowest person, That's which fair. will probably be Or you all girl. squish together and you look like a much bigger person. That's also... Mm-hmm. Maybe if we got onto each other's shoulders, we would stack up as high as the actual statue that's sitting it's out like there. like 50 feet tall. And then it's they'll, so tall. Yeah, they'll worship you as a god. <laughs> they will. <laughs> the um, attack started to escalate. So they, they tried to ignore the the sounds inside the house but then the experiences started to escalate and they could not ignore them anymore did i do it again esca escalate i'm supposed to say escalate not escalate no escalate this show has made me so self-conscious on so many levels it's so good it's a great learning experience i'm not even gonna use that word watch you guys i'm not even gonna use it now i'm fuck you both you know what They tried to ignore the sounds that were coming from inside their house, but they couldn't because the experiences also started to escalate. Woo! And (laughs) now it's fucked. See, she cheered. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Carol. (laughs) I'm sorry. But after a while, they couldn't because the experiences started to escalate and they couldn't do it. God damn it! This is your fault. Okay. So Jackson has said... To have Jackson, it is said he. Oh God! So Jackson said, "No, sorry." As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.